Tonight, I want to speak on the theology of girls. And we read there that the Bible says that our daughters may be as cornerstones polished after the similitude of a palace. Polished after the similitude of a palace. There's two big characteristics in my mind that jump out for me on that verse. Verse number 12, it talks about them, our daughters being cornerstones. And then it also right after that says polished. So there's three words there. It says cornerstones and polished. And I want you to notice that God wants little girls and really women in general to be two things. He wants them to be strong and he wants them to be polished. And uh, we find today that God's people are trying to real hard to find a balance in all that. I want to just give you this real fast. And I typed this out for you. And this is um, this is the history of women in the past hundred years, the history of women in America, the past hundred years. Uh, this is 2020. So I went a hundred years back, 1920, and I found out several significant instances in the history of women in the past hundred years. In the 1920s in America, women began to smoke that had never been heard of before. In the 1930s, with a combination of the Great Depression and Roosevelt's New Deal, women were now leaving the job of raising their children and were now looking for full-time jobs. That had never really happened before. Women in the 1930s went from homemakers to human resource managers. They went from baby caretakers to breadwinners. They went from the labor room to the labor force, and they went from their families to the factories, and then they went from being caretakers to company makers. That was a new watershed moment in the history of American women. In the 1940s, that women went to become factory workers in the World War II efforts. You remember that uh, a lot of women were in the, uh, actually women in, those, in the 1940s were busy making ammo for, for us to blow up the Germans with all those times. Pretty interesting. And American women in the 1940s went from Wizard of Oz and Judy Garland to Rosie the Riveter. And then even in the 1940s, something incredible had happened in the history of women. On July 5th, 1946, something came on the, the world scene that was so immoral and vile that it literally shocked the world. July 5th, 1946. This wicked invention was a garment that women were to wear on the beaches. And this new wicked invention was something called the bikini. Never in the, in, the, in the history of Western society had something like that ever shown its ugly face. That's almost laughable now. Isn't it? 1950s post-World War II America saw a strong economic boom and many women were able to stay at home again. But during this time, the nuclear family became mainstream. Men were working and making great money and women were able to stay home and raise children for the most part. The children born during this post-World War II era were called the baby boomers. Many Christian historians were able to document that during this time there were many strong moves of God and churches were filled with, with not just, not just a, a woman and some kids, they were filled with couples, families. Everybody was intact. And Bible Christianity was able to flourish, flourish in the suburbs of America. This was not to last long due to the new invention called the television. By 1955, 50% of American homes had a television inside of them. And one of the most popular shows of the 1950s was a show called I Love Lucy. And although she was a stay-at-home mom, she was your average American female, she was often seen showing her discontent with her situation, and much of the comedy in the show was her attempts 
to pursue outside interests, these attempts were often met with disasters. 1960s, the women were now entering the workforce in huge numbers. One out of five women with children under six now had jobs. One out of four women over, uh, with children over 16 now had jobs. And in the 1960s, there was another watershed moment for the history of the American woman with the invention of something called birth control. Now, the main consequence of impropriety amongst young ladies was not even thought about anymore. They could now be freed from the fear of unwanted children. And this gave a sharp rise in the immorality of American young ladies. The 1960s always gave, also gave rise to feminism, rock and roll, drug culture, free love, and the hippie movement. The 1960s ended in 1969 with the Summer of Love and the famous Woodstock Festival that everybody knows about. The 1970s, you see that feminism was going mainstream and that in the 19, I believe, 74 in January, the infamous Roe versus Wade decision was given. And now it was legal for a woman with child to end their pregnancy by a medical procedure. And in the 1980s, you see the rise of two things. You see the rise of the female politician and you see the rise of the single mother. In 1980, there were 5.9 single parent families in the United States. It had never been that way before. In the 1990s, you see the rise of the female entertainer. You see the rise of things like girl power and third wave feminism. In the pop culture of the 1990s, the most popular groups were extremely sensual and provocative women like TLC, Destiny's Child, the Spice Girls, Mariah Carey, and Britney Spears were coming on the scene and never had that happened before. Unhealthy female body image was created. It was during this time in the 90s that the pale, bony, sickly females were exalted as the ideal image of a woman. Some of you ladies need to say amen. And that had never really happened before. And in the 2000s, you see, we give rise to the era of female CEOs and politicians, famous females. The ideal female is now something like Hillary Clinton, Carl, Carly Fiorina, and Rachel Maddow. We find that the highest paid journalist in the world in the 2000s was a lady named Katie Couric. Drew Giplin Faust became the first female president of Harvard University. Angel Merkel became the first, first woman chancellor of Germany in 2005. Sarah Palin became the first female governor of Alaska and the first female vice president for the Republican Party. And then in 2007, Nancy Pelosi became the very first female speaker of the House. In the 2010s, we see that there's something called fourth wave feminism coming on the scene. And this era was defined by words like man spreading, sitting on the subway, taking up too much room, you're man spreading. And then also something called mansplaining came on the scene, where if a woman who was irate attacked a man irrationally, and he tried to give a logical answer to some psychotic, crazy woman, he was mansplaining. They were doing that. They still are. And also the 2010 gave rise to something called the Me Too movement. Believe all women except the ones that have been sexually assaulted by Joe Biden. Believe all women except the, win, the ones who were killed by Ted Kennedy's car. 
And then also in the 2010s, you see things like the U.S. women's soccer team becoming a tool of feminism. And their spokesperson was a lesbian captain by the, na by the name of Megan Rapinoe. In the 2020s, we don't even know what's coming down the road for women. I don't even know if I want to know. But it is yet to be seen what the next phase of degradation of women is going to be in the future. But for us who are trying to raise young ladies in this culture where women are getting worse and worse and worse and worse, going in a downward spiral, becoming everything except what God does not want them to be, we have to decide what's going to define what a girl is. We have to figure that out before we can even go any farther. And I want to say that if we're going to do this correctly, then we cannot allow the world to define what a woman is for us or what a young lady should be for us. We must allow the God of the Bible to define what a woman is for us. And as we look there in Psalm 144, verse number 12, we see that the Bible says that our daughters may be as cornerstones polished after the similitude of a palace. And can I tell you today that the Bible says that young ladies are to be strong and they're to be polished. Strong and they're to be polished. Would you say that with me, church, please? Strong and polished. Would you say it one more time with me? Ready? Strong and polished. The problem is today is that a lot of people in churches go to one extreme or the other with girls. And I want to say that a girl that is polished, but she's not strong, is useless. And a girl that is strong, but she's not polished, is hideous. And we see that in our culture today. We see that there are these divas, these cutesy little wallflower girls who cannot even change a light bulb if their life depended on it. And then also over here you have these Shira type characters. Oftentimes they work at tractor supply. And they walk like a man, talk like a man because they can do anything. A man can do. And then they wonder why nobody wants to date me. Well, I, I can give you a few ideas, maybe. But we find that there's an imbalance even in that. A lot of girls that are polished and they're not strong or useless, and the girls that are strong and they're not polished are hideous. I was at a meeting a couple years ago. Is everybody all right today? Some of you are not really not enjoying this. And I'm, I'm just getting started. I've got eight pages here. And I, I, I just went through one right there. So y'all y'all need to buckle up. Amen. I was at a meeting a couple years ago with a, uh, with a guy who was a missionary. And he was a nice guy, good family, wonderful guy. We were both at a, uh, at a meeting by ourselves. And he, uh, he got a phone call from his lady, his wife. And I can tell she was just hysterical on the phone. And he's saying there, say, no, just, 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 it's, it's right next to the toilet. It's right next. To, and I'm like, what is he talking about? He says, right next to the toilet. Yeah, just, just use that. And, and that should take care of it. Yeah, just, just use, yeah, just do that. No, no, no. You don't need to go to your, to your parents' house for the week. No, I, look, you can fix this yourself. It's okay. No, 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 you, no, it, everything's okay. You just, it's right next to the toilet. Just, just use it. And, and, and she just wore him out. She was hysterical. And I'm talking about like a 25 to 27 year old couple. And I kind of got curious and 
I sometimes I overstep my bounds, and that's all right. I said, uh, how's your wife doing, man? And uh, <laughs> he said, she's fine. I said, she didn't sound fine. I said, well, he said, one of the kids clogged the toilet, and she wanted to know if I could come home from this meeting and help her unclog the toilet. And I was thinking, Lord have mercy. <laughs> I looked at her prayer, prayer card. Yeah, she's just a little dainty little wallflower little lady who can't even unclog a toilet. God did never designed it to be that way. And I'm going to say even now in society, it used to be that the, the woman was the beauty and the man was the beast. But now the man is the beauty and sometimes the woman is the beast. It used to be that the woman was olive oil, the man was Popeye. But now the man is olive oil and the woman's Popeye. It used to be the woman was the lady and the man was the tramp and now the man's the lady and I, I won't say the rest of that. Amen. We need to be polished and we need to be strong. That's what these ladies need to be. If you go to Proverbs 31, I want to share this with you there. We see this principle of being polished and strong in several different places in the Bible. And I want to kind of point these out to you. And Proverbs chapter 31, we find here in verse number 10, God describes the end product of a woman. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 31, verse number 10, it says, Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? Can I tell you today that the point of raising girls is to turn them from little girls into virtuous women, virtuous women. Uh, can I tell you today that we're not to raise them to be career women. We're, we're supposed to raise them to be virtuous women, biblically virtuous women. And it says there, who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies, meaning that she's more valuable than you could ever imagine. Amen. Verse number 11, the Bible says this, and I want you to notice this. When we talk about being strong and being polished, that there's a strength of character for a virtuous woman. It says this in verse number 11, the heart of her husband doth safely trust in her. And notice the last half of that verse, so that he shall have no need of spoil. Meaning this, that she doesn't spend every little dime that they have. <laughs> Amen. And uh, I'm telling you, some of these ladies that I see, they are killing their family's finances because they can't stop buying shoes. And they come home saying, I, this was on sale. This is how much money I saved. Well, no, you save money by not spending money. Is everybody all right? Everybody? And it says there, so that he shall have no need of spoil, meaning this, that there's a strength there. She's strong in her character. And the problem today is that we have a lot of, lot of women who are just completely out of control emotionally and behavior-wise and all that kind of stuff. There's a strength of character there, but also look what it says there. Not only verse number 11 where she's strong, but verse number 12 is where you see that she's polished. Verse number 12, she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She's a polished woman. There's some women that I've met. Some of them are the wives of pastors. The only thing they need is an eye patch and a parrot sitting on their shoulder, and they would be a total pirate. They just ride everybody all the time. 
and ah, at their husband. And the Bible says that's not a virtuous woman. Some of you are not laughing at all. And I'm telling you, you're making me nervous. Amen. Heard a preacher one time years ago. He said this. He said, I, I, I don't want to have a dream that my wife is smothering me to death with a pillow and wake up to find that it wasn't a dream. Amen. Strong and polished. Strong and polished. Verse number 13. We see the strength of her character. It says that she seeketh wool and wax and worketh willingly with her hands. Verse 14. For she is like the merchant ship. She bringeth her food from afar and so it says that she worketh willingly that's strength of character verse number 15 we find that she's polished where it says that she riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens meaning she has a giving spirit she's polished and then also verse number 16 we see the strength of her character again where it says she considereth the field and buyeth it with the fruit of her hands she planteth a vineyard she girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms amen can i tell you that i um, i believe a woman ought not be scared to work a little bit amen when we have a garden now and Rebecca, man i'm telling you we are swimming in zucchinis and tomatoes and it is ridiculous and uh, when Rebecca goes out to the garden, I tell her, take the, all those kids with you. Take them out there. Let them girls get in that dirt. Let them sweat a little bit. And let them learn what it is to gird their loins with strength and strengthen their arms. Can I tell you today that a woman ought to know how to work hard? Some of you are not enjoying this sermon. Verse number 18 says, She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. Verse number 19, She layeth her hand to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. So we see the strength of her character there again in verse 18 and 19. Verse number 20, we see that her, her polished nature again. It says, She stretcheth out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She's polished. She is a kind spirit, a giving spirit. And can I tell you today, there, there, is a, there is a secret weapon that Satan has today. And that secret weapon is the angry woman. Most of the political leftist agenda that is going out forth today is being propagated and carried by angry, hysterical, hostile females. And the reason that they do that is because they know that Bible-believing Christians are put in a no-win situation when confronted with that. Because if you just let her walk all over you, you look weak. If you give her the what for, you tell her to hush, you're a liar, you're a bully. And so that's anti-Bible and anti-God. Look in verse 21, it says, this, talking about the strength of her character, she is not afraid for the snow, for her household, for all her household, her clothes scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Verse 23, her husband is known in the gates and sitteth among the elders of the land. Notice this, verse 24, she maketh fine linen and selleth it and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing and she shall rejoice in time to come. Do you notice this about the virtuous woman, all the things she knows how to do? She can do something productive with her life. And I'm going to tell you today, I, I, I have been scarred. Y'all pray for me. I have been scarred in my psychology and, 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 and just had such a traumatic experience. I went from 
living a life of sin as an 18 year old kid and I was in the public school system and then I got saved and within a year I was in a Bible college, one of the most sanitary environments. I mean, I, I was around people that had no idea what Jim Beam liquor was and Jack Daniels and all that stuff. I mean, and, and I was just shocked to death at how some of these people didn't know anything about anything. And it was because they were raised in churches and they were kept away from everything and as they aimed for isolation, but all they did was breed in their children ignorance. And ignorance is not a virtue. Can I tell you today that uh, I was in I was in the dorm one time and I just happened to make the statement something about Jim Beam. And I wasn't making a joke about liquor or nothing like that, but I said something about Jim Beam. And one of those kids in that Bible college dormitory with me looked at me, honest before God, and in all seriousness, looked at me and said, I've heard of Jim Beam. Where does he pastor again? And I was thinking, what rock was this child raised under? Don't even know anything about anything. And then I worked at Arby's for a little while because my greatest fear in life was to starve to death. And I didn't want to do that in Bible college. And so I went and got a job at a restaurant so I could make sure that I could at least eat every day. And there were dudes that worked at Arby's with me that I went to Bible college with. And one of them had a flat tire on his car. And he didn't know what to do. So he just drove it from Arby's all the way to the Bible college. Sparks flying everywhere looked like that explosion in Lebanon that happened just the other day. And the police pulled him over and said, what are you doing? Are you like a crackhead running from the law or something? He goes, no, I'm just a Bible college kid, didn't know how to change my tire. So I thought I'd just drive over here and find somebody who did know how to change the tire. They don't know how to do anything. And girls ought not be that way either. Verse 26 says that she's polished. It says she openeth her mouth with wisdom. And in her tongue is the law of kindness. Do y'all notice that right there? I, I want to tell you something that is very detestable to me is snarky, bratty, big mouth little girls. If you have a snarky, bratty, big mouth little girl, you ought to correct that very quickly. Because if they're snarky, bratty, big mouth little girls, they're going to do that to their husband. They're going to do that to their pastor. They're going to start doing that to their employers. They're going to do that to their friends. They're going to do that to God. And then they're going to wonder why they have no friends, why their first husband left them, and why maybe their second husband left them, and why nobody will hire them, and why they can't have any spiritual peace because they never were taught how to be polished and that's listen i'm gonna tell you something there's something wrong with that there's something wrong with the daddy that allowed that to be done by their children verse 27 we're talking about her strength again she looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness meaning meaning she doesn't sit around all day watching soap operas praise god eating cheetos and all that nonsense amen so say amen church amen Verse 31 or verse 28 says about her being polished again. Her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruits of her hands and let her own works praise 
her in the gates. So strong and polished there. Do you see that theme there in the Bible, Proverbs 31? I want you to go also to Titus chapter 2. And we'll see what God says also about young women, how they should be raised. I want to tell you today, we live in a culture where the, 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 there's an attack on women. There's such an attack, especially on young women. And while you're turning there, let me, let me just read a verse to you that I, I did not read a minute ago. But in, don't go here. I just want to read this to you. In Mark chapter 6, excuse me, Mark chapter 7, a man came to Jesus and said, please heal my daughter. Something's wrong with my daughter. It says in Mark 7, 25, For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. In verse 26, the woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that, that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. Meaning that there's a spiritual warfare upon young girls even then, and there's still one even upon girls now. Go to Titus chapter 2. I want you to show you this, that the only hope for young women that they would become what God wants them to be is if the older women give them instruction and examples. Instruction and examples. The truth is, if you give instruction but you don't give an example, then you're really not teaching at all. There were times where I was in Bible college where men, men of God would teach me this is how you do this in your spiritual life. And I would hear that, but unless I actually saw that being done by these men, I really couldn't fully understand it. I like um, had a preacher come here not too long ago. And he said, my daddy, when I was a little boy, my daddy would smoke a cigarette, look at me and say, if I ever catch you with one of these, I'm going to wear you out, boy. Don't you smoke. Don't you smoke. Guess what he said? He said, I end up smoking. Because <laughs> you can say all you want to, but unless I see an example of that, and I think we're doing that with young ladies in churches today, preacher. You be spiritual, love God while you're going off and doing anything but that. You live right and you do what God wants you to do, and everything you're doing provides no evidence that that's what you want. I think what people want today is they want their kids to turn out right, not for God's glory, but for their own. They don't want their kids to embarrass them. And I think that's what a lot of parents are into today. But Titus chapter 2, we see here that God says that these aged women in verse number 3, the aged women likewise that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. Do you notice that right there? Behavior that becometh holiness. Meaning they ought not be in Harley rallies and acting a fool and, you know, my, like Granny Smith. I had a Granny my uh, Granny Smith, man. She dipped snuff. She was tough, man. I'm telling you, she was a dangerous woman. You ought not be like Granny Smith. Amen. And it says they're not false accusers. You write me too next to your words in the Bible there. Not giving to much wine, teachers of good things. You need to be these things so that, verse number four, that they may teach the young women. You know what young women are? Probably 18 to birth, somewhere in that age. A young man in the Bible, actually a child according to the Jewish culture, was somebody under 30. And truth is, even, even uh, the insurance companies, if you'll notice that, the insurance companies will actually give you a significant deduction in your, your car insurance premium when you turn 26. Because even their studies show that your brain is not fully developed till you're really close to 30. That explains a lot of things that I've done. But I would say maybe the young women 
it's probably those under 30. And it says that the young teach the, the older women teach the young women to be several things here, to be sober. And if you notice there, cross-reference that to the word silly. There's silly women laden with sins and they get swept away with false teachings and that kind of stuff. To be sober, to love their husbands. Always some woman somewhere grappling about their husband. I, my husband, I, no, no. Old ladies, older ladies need to say, no, you don't need to do that. To love their children. I was at Walmart the other day. Oh my goodness. There was a child in a buggy. You know what that child was doing? He's misbehaving. And mama sat there, did nothing, did nothing. And I, I could just see her. She's like a pressure cooker. Just, just boiling and boiling. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, you stop it, you little, and just went off and just, just screaming at this. It was a three-year-old kid, and I'm sitting there thinking, oh, Lord, have mercy. She needs one of them aged women to help her. Nurse number five, this is where you get into the legalism here, amen. It says that young ladies are to be discreet and chaste. Discreet and chaste. I want to say to you today, now don't don't get mad at me now. Don't get mad at me now, but we live in the culture of the crude, lewd woman. There are, there are young ladies walking around all through society that the clothes that they're wearing is not a to to legitimately clean a 12 gauge shotgun. And you're thinking, how is that even legal? God help us, you know. Is everybody okay? Young ladies need to be taught to be discreet, meaning that they ought not do some crude talk and mixed company. I think right now my, my wife is teaching our daughters that, and I thank God for this, that there's some things that you only talk, you only talk to mommy about that. You don't talk to your brothers about that. You don't talk. You don't talk to the people at church about that. That's only between that's between you and mommy. That's the only people you talk to in the world about that. But you walk through mixed company, twenty year old girls in the average church, and I can't tell. I can't tell if I'm at a church function or I'm at a collegiate level of uh, collegiate level anatomy class or something with some of the crude, lewd things they're talking about. Say, I mean, given all the graphic details of of medical things that they went through. You need to have some discretion, lady. Discretion. Amen. Is everybody all right? And also says that young ladies need to be taught to be chaste. Be chaste. And this is something today that I think a lot of people don't get. If you go with me, hold your place there. First Corinthians chapter 6. I want you to see this, all right? Paul is dealing with the church of Corinth, and this was the most carnal church in the Bible. And he had to deal with them in love because they were so carnal, just such bad shape. And look what it says in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 13. And guys, you, you know I'm telling it right. You know I'm telling it right. We live in the age of the lewd, crude young lady. The lewd and crude young lady. The Bible says here in verse number 13, meats for the belly and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. And notice this, now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. Can I tell you today that the body is not for fornication. The body is given to you for the Lord. 
meaning that the body ought not be flaunted around to attract the attention of the opposite gender. By the way, men do that too. I'm sick to death. I can't even buy clothes anymore because everything's skinny jeans, something or another. Dudes walking around with, with pants on so tight. I mean, they squeak when they walk, you know, French sodomite looking clothing. And if you if you have more than three percent body fat, you can't even you can't even wear those clothes. Those things only fit sodomites and meth addicts is all they fit. I'll tell you, the body is not for everybody to look at. Can I give you the definition of modesty? I ought not be able to look at you and see you. Does that make sense? Is that okay? I ought not be able to look at you and see you. I ain't liking this sermon at all. I, I want to say this. There's been many times I've been in churches and just hanging around talking and then all of a sudden some, something walks in the door and it's feeling like, oh, oh, how did she leave the house like that? Either it's way, I mean, look, there's just there's way too much going on there. And God helped the husband that was let, his, let his wife leave the house dressed like that. The body's not for fornication. The body's for the Lord. Can I tell you, is everybody listening tonight? Is we all right? Can I tell you that uh, the body ought not be on display for everybody to see? And that's what the Bible teaches there. The Bible teaches that the young ladies need to be discreet and they need to be chaste. And we don't see a whole lot of that anymore. Someone said the other day, said, uh, what are you, Amish or something? I said, well, <laughs> I lean a whole lot more that way. <laughs> Can I, can, I, can I tell you something real fast? I go to the gym and I work out because um, I like to lift weights so that I don't murder. And uh, that helps me. And uh, if you get the emails I get, you'd understand that. Amen. And I'm telling you, I'll be, I, when I go to the gym, I put earbuds in and I don't want to talk to you. I don't, I don't care. I don't care anything about your HVAC business. I don't care nothing about whatever you're in. I don't care. I don't care about that bar fight that you was in last Saturday. I don't care. I don't even want to know your name. I just want to come in here. I want to lift weights. I want to, I want to, I want to lift weights over there. And then I want to go on that, that cardio machine and, and, and oppress myself for 30 minutes. And uh, that's what I want to do because I, I like to eat food. And so I have to work out. That's the price that I have. But I'm going to tell you right now, I can always tell going into the gym, lifting weights with guys. I can always tell when a immodest female walks in the room because everybody's in there going and every male head in the room goes from you know lifting weights and doing this and it's like they go in a trance and I don't even have to look I know what it is it's some Jezebel walking in there dressed like she's on a beach somewhere going there going to go work out 15 minutes and take two or three you know Instagram posts with the duck face and you know get all that going on and then leave I don't even know why she has a membership she just walk up and down her driveway two or three times she'd burn just as many calories as she did on that elliptical for 30 seconds all she's going in there is for attention and I don't even have to look at them I can tell what's going on we okay today? Young ladies ought to be taught. Young girls ought to be taught. That's not how you dress. 
I've got a four-year-old daughter. There's been many times, I, and, and, and I, I believe in teaching this as soon as possible. There's a couple times when, when, when you get to be about four years old, you start to dress yourself. And that is a lot of fun. <laughs> we have some great pictures. And there's been many times I've, I've told her, no, I can, I can see your belly. Go get something on. Go get something else on. I, I, you're not supposed to wear that outside. That's inside clothes. You're not supposed to wear that outside. Go put some clothes on. Go put a, go put a little skirt on, something. And I want to teach them that because I want them to know that people ought not be able to look at your body. The body is not for fornication. The body is for the Lord. You go back to Titus chapter 2. Once you see this, they're taught to be chaste, to be discreet. They also need to be taught where the Bible says to be keepers at home. Keepers at home. Um, can I tell you, a man can't a man can't run his, run the home. A man can't do everything at home. He can't cook and clean and go to work and take care of the kids and everything. He, he needs to have some help. And the Bible says for the female to be the keeper at the home. I mean, you ought to know how to cook and clean and all that kind of stuff. And we're, we're doing that now. We're getting to where a little girl, uh, our little girls are learning how to wash dishes. Amen. <laughs> and I think that's a good thing. They said to be, they're supposed to be keepers at home. Good, obedient to their own husbands. At the word of God, be not blasphemed. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you today, and I've, I've gone through this and shared this with you, but there is a, there is a dangerous trend that I'm looking at as I study American history, where up is down and down is up, men are women and women are men. And by the way, this transgender stuff that's going on, okay, the world had transgender stuff, had the world has transgender issues, yes, but I think the church had transgender issues a long time before the world ever did. Women preachers and John R. Rice wrote that book, Bob Hare, Bossy Wives and Women Preachers. Got a friend, somebody gave him that book as a joke. He read the book and said, I need to read more John R. Rice, amen, because <laughs> that's what we're dealing with. But I'm going to tell you today, it's not that women are subservient to men. It's not that way at all. I greatly respect my wife, and if my wife tells me not to do something, I won't do it. Because I'm the head, but she's the neck, and wherever the neck turns, the head goes, Amen. But can I tell you that men are designed one way and women are designed the other. And we have to teach the difference between the two. And for a girl, the Bible says that they're supposed to be strong and polished. And I want you to know that a girl that is polished, but she's not strong, is useless. And a girl that is strong, but she's not polished, it's hideous. And neither one of those is what God wants them to be. So, ladies and gentlemen, that's that's what God said about girls. They need to be that way. I want to encourage you. Pray for me that I raise my girls that way. And I want to pray for you that you raise your girls that way and that we teach this in these kids. If you notice, I make I make these little girls come talk to me. Y'all notice that? Because they need to be they need to learn how to talk to adults. Because adults run the world and I don't know how they're going to get a job someday if they can't speak to an adult. I make them talk to me and I make them say something nice to me. And some of them were still working on them. <laughs> because they're supposed to be strong, have the strength of character to obey when somebody talks to them and then be polished enough to put on a little smile and say, thank you. 
That's how a woman's supposed to be. And that's what I'm doing with my family. And I hope and encourage you to do the same with yours. So let's pray and then preach whatever you want to do. Father, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and mercy to us. Thank you for the blessing of the word of God. I pray you speak to hearts and help us, oh God, be right with you. We love you.